Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. There was a day many, 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 many years ago that uh, the Word of God, not in the Bible form that we know, not even in a scroll, but the Word of God had just disappeared off the scene. The children of Israel, God's chosen people, had been taken into captivity. I'm sure day one, they didn't think about this. Probably first month in, even maybe the first couple months in, they didn't uh, think much about this. But then after a while, they began to realize as they were being trained in the ways of the Chaldeans, that the words that they had grown accustomed to hearing which at that time was basically the first five books. Those words that they had grown accustomed to hearing became distant. And then the next generation of children came. And then the next generation of children came. And to them, there was no word. There was no inspiration for them to be tied to the God who created them. And for 70 years, they were in captivity. Let's put that into perspective. 70 years ago, 1952, who was president? Who was speaker of the house? Who was the mayor in your town? Who was the governor in in your state? What was the greatest song on the radio, Uh, what was the catchphrases, what was the vernacular of the day, we don't know. Now, you can look in a history book, or you can recall from being taught in history, you know, if it was, you know, Harry S. Truman, you know, that was president, and, and you can look up and you can Google about all of that information I just asked. But we don't know those things because that was not our day. Well, there was a prophet that arose. His name was Ezra. He went back to Jerusalem along with Nehemiah and others that you read in the Old Testament. And they found the book. And when they found the book, they decided they were going to set aside a special time just to read those words of inspiration again. I have just in the past week, well, actually the past month, I would say, I have have missed this book. Now, I read it every day. Don't get me wrong. But right here's where I read it. I read it on my little iPhone here. I mean, it's the same words and everything, but there's something different about this. I can go through here. And on every page, I find hope. This was my first grown-up Bible. It's well-worn. There's not page in the fly leaves that doesn't have words that were encouragement to me because of some man of God who spoke or some beloved Sunday school teacher had spoke and I thought that's good I'm going to write that down and they wrote it down or I wrote it down and then one day I quit carrying it 
And I got another one because this one was falling apart. Pages were falling out of it. I know when I pass, and I will one day, and I'm stretched out there where everybody can come and look at me. I want this right here. Because this has meant more to me than anything I own. But yet, I've gotten away from this particular book. But I haven't got away from what it says. Whether it be on this or whether it be on this. But there was something that took place whenever Ezra got there. He put them to work. Now, they were already working on Jerusalem and restoring the walls. And if you read in the book of Nehemiah, it's telling the same, same story, basically, about going back and, and uh, where the walls had been torn down, you know, they were being built back up. But Ezra was tasked with taking these words and speaking them before the people. And as they were doing so, this is, guys, I put this together this morning. Okay, I didn't know I was going to be speaking until late yesterday. But this is just something God has laid on my heart. They built a big stage. Like what they used to hang people from. You know, Cody, what I'm talking about so they can see everybody fall through the floor. But Ezra and all of those dignitaries that needed to be on that stage was on that stage. And all the people was out there. And they stood for hours while Ezra read from the scrolls. Wow. Can you imagine? Hearing God's word for the first time in your life, likely. Well, you were little whenever you heard it. I remember getting an email from a friend of mine who was in a foreign country, and they worked with uh, Wycliffe Bible translators, and what their job was on the ministry field was translating that native tongue or, 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 or the Word of God into a native tongue. And the day that the Bibles were prepared and ready, boxed up and sent to the village, the village leaders came in with the boxes of God's Word on their heads and made sure that everyone there got their own copy of God's Word, their own copy. I remember in the third grade, the Gideons coming to Unica Elementary School and giving me my first copy of God's Word. It was a little New Testament about the size of this iPhone and it was in a white box and it was a white Bible. I don't think that's what they were supposed to be giving out that day. I think they were supposed to have been green. I don't know. They have several different Bibles if you're familiar with the Gideons. I know they give the white ones away to, to nurses whenever they are uh, during their pinning ceremony. But it was a white Bible and the trim around this was blue, beautiful blue. I remember taking that copy of God's Word home and asking my mom for a couple Kleenexes. That way I could wrap my Bible in there and put it back in the box. And then I put it in my sock drawer. And then every day, as a third grader, taking out that word and reading from it. Not understanding it completely, of course, but reading from it. Incredible. Why am I saying this this morning? Because I'm going to share a word with you first, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the first week of our fast. Is that okay? For those of you that are listening online, I know there's several of you out there. I know Matt and Beth are out there. I could just name several of you that are 
that are listening online this morning. You're with us as if you're in this very room this morning. However, if you listen to this later in the day, or you listen to it the middle of next week, we want you to know that you're as much a part of what we're doing here this morning as if you were here. So in honor and reverence of the reading of God's Word, I would ask that you stand. Now you don't have what I'm getting ready to read, and it's not going to be up here, because I'm going to be reading this from Eugene Peterson's translation of uh, the Bible. Part of my reading this week was this. The Apostle Paul is in prison, and he's writing to a church that he's acquainted with. He's been there. He's worked with the various leaders in this church. He's writing this book specifically to the church in Ephesus. Paul always had the best salutations. I mean, just read a lot of his epistles. And man, I tell you what, I wish I could write a letter like the Apostle Paul. But I want you to see. Now, I want you to visualize what Paul is saying to those saints at the church in Ephesus. Starting with verse 3 of chapter 1 of the book of Ephesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Wait a minute, I'm going to switch this back. That's one thing about the phone. Uh, it switches from different translations whenever your finger hits it. Now, this is Eugene Peterson saying it. How blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him, as we've expressed in this place this morning. Long before he laid the foundations of earth. He had, think of this, us in mind. Let that sink in. He had settled on us to be the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And what pleasure he took in planting this. Any of you all have adopted children? I mean, we do. What great pleasure there was in bringing that child into our family. Not through birth, but because we wanted to. Well, of course, you hope those that you're having by birth, you're wanting them too. But what I'm saying is you chose that child. He chose us. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. And this is the core of what I want to say. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. Now let's put this in perspective for just a moment. Paul is trying to do this with the church in Ephesus. If you were Jewish, if you were Israelites, you knew how it had to happen for the forgiveness of sins. You had to come with your offering and you had to present that in a physical place. And then it was taken from you, passed on to the Levitical priests. And then it went all the way up to where one man went into the Holy of Holies once per year to offer the forgiveness of sins. And then Jesus came. And Jesus made it so that we would never have to go through another man again. He made it so that we can come directly to him for the forgiveness of our sins. So I'm going to read that again. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people. Do you know what it means to be free? You don't know what it means to be free unless you've ever been imprisoned. Okay, you go serve some time somewhere. 
whether it be incarcerated or, or whether it be a POW or whether it be in the hospital for a period of time or whether it be just being stuck somewhere because uh, you've had to quarantine. You know, that first day out, you appreciate that freedom, do you not? But it says here, we're a free people. Here's what we're free of, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either. I like the way Eugene Peterson says this. He says, not just free, you're abundantly free. Do you know what abundance means? It means just over the top. I mean, it means the saucer full. We're abundantly free, but yet we sit in churches, we, we, we sit in groups and we talk about God and all that as if it's just commonplace. And I'm guilty of that as well. But it says we're abundantly free. He thought of everything, providing for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together, summed up in Him, everything in deepest heaven and everything on planet Earth. You may be seated. You've heard the word dispensation before, probably, if you haven't. Dispensation is, in this instance, is talking about a period of time. And the dispensation that we're talking about here is has not been culminated yet, but it is soon to come. And that's when he comes back and takes us home. And he fulfills that which he started out to do. We're a part of that. Isn't that great? Man, let that just sink in for a moment. Let's let's all pray. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to give you a guided prayer time. Father, as we come to you this morning, we're thankful and grateful that we're here, thankful and grateful that we're part of your work. And all of us that are believers, Father, not believers as in Believers Church, but all of us that are believers, Father, because we follow you, because we've allowed you into our lives, God, that we've taken our hands off of our life, God, and said, you run our show for us. Father, we, we come before you this morning. So those of you out here this morning, I want you to take just a moment, and I want you to give God praise this morning. Just in your seat right where you are this morning, I'd like for you to just think of God, think of his attributes, and you give him praise for something that he is that no one else can be. Ask God to bring something to mind if you're not able to think of anything. But there's so many things. God, he's the, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He's the, the first and the last. He's always been. He's all-knowing. He's ever-present. Then take a moment and just thank him for something that he has done for you personally or someone that you're close to. How has he stood in the gap for you? What has he delivered you from? Maybe even as early as this week. Carry that thought of thankfulness and praise into your day as we go to petitions for others. Just this morning, as I was preparing, I received more than one text from people and, and conversations from people who asked for prayer. So petition heaven knowing that your words are being heard in the very throne room of grace. Petition heaven for someone who is lost. Petition heaven for someone who is cold in their faith. Petition heaven for that loved one or that person that you know through work or through school 
that's sick. Petition heaven on behalf of our government and those who are leading us. Petition heaven on behalf of Believer's Church. Petition heaven on behalf of your pastor and the leadership. Ask God to look deep inside of you and expose that which is keeping your relationship from being all that it can be, exposing that to the light of his holiness. So that you can be used as a clean vessel. God, that's our prayer. And we love you. God, help us not just to love you, but help us to be in love with you. That's our prayer today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Now, I don't know how much time I have left, but in the little bit of time that I have left, I want to bring your attention to a few things as uh, if I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Those of you that are doing the fast this week, you know who you are. And uh, I know that some of you all have done very, very well with the first seven days and because and, today marks day number seven. And I know there's others of you that probably have struggled. I know that there are some of you that have uh, chosen uh, social media, for example, uh, to be what you're fasting from. There's some of you that have chosen uh, a meal or food, period. Uh, I mean, there's just various things. You know what it is that distracts you. So hopefully you have looked into what those are and those you have chosen to separate yourself from in order to get yourself closer with your relationship with Christ. Some of you went into this with both feet. Some of you waited until Monday morning and said, hmm, I've never done this before. I'm not sure quite what it's going to look like. So uh, we'll just see how we go. There's some of you that started off well, and by the middle of the week, you feel like you failed. Well, today's a day that you can start over again to get back on track. Uh, as as we, we created a Facebook group. So now those of you that are, are fasting from social media, you haven't been seeing what's going on. <laughs> but... Uh, I want to uh, read a couple things that I've seen on our on our uh, social media this week. Uh, you know, we're just finishing up the first week. We've got a total of three weeks. So, so if you feel like you failed, like I said, you've still got two weeks that you can jump back on. Uh, there's no such thing as total failure in this, okay? So if there's something you're struggling with and you want others, matter of fact, I think it's in today's or it may have been in yesterday's saying that if you're struggling, uh, get in touch with somebody and let them pray with you. Now, I've got several things that I'm fasting from. Just to give you an idea, you know, when you when you fast, that's not something you go around bragging about, okay? Like you don't go to work and say, well, if I look pitiful this week and next week, you'll know why, because I'm not looking at Facebook, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or or whatever it is that you have to be, happen to be fasting from. Uh, no, that is something that you do in secret. You know, you put your happy face on and, and, and you go on because it's not about that. It's not a diet, uh, although if if during the time that you're fasting, you know, you happen to drop a few pounds, well, that's perfectly fine. Not going to hurt a thing for most of us. But I was uh, reading through this this week, and this is a couple of the things that caught my eye. Uh, God is going to do incredible work through this intentional season of seeking Him more. As I embark on this journey, my heart longs to hear from God. I know there is still much pruning and chipping away. Written by a saint, who knows that there's going to be some pain come. Another one, I'm looking at this time like a highly anticipated getaway. 
I'm praying for a return to spiritual freshness and joy in my salvation. Someone who is just like I was speaking of earlier. You know, I could listen to a song that I know every word to it in a whole different way. You know, I can remember years ago as a young Christian listening to my pastor and going home and complaining about his message, thinking, man, he just, you know, I, I felt like sleeping through that whole thing. Or, or you know, at the third time he's preached on that passage this year because I got it written down here. We did it in February, he did it in May, and here he is in September using the same scripture again. Does he not ever study and, you know, think there's other things? That, you know, I found out that whenever I was aligned with God, that all those sermons were good. <laughs> As I start this journey, I want to hear, actually hear what God wants to say to me, not just what I think he is saying. And as we started struggling and a comment was made about, you know, if you're struggling, just kind of let us know if there's anything we can pray for you about. And here's, here's what our pastor wrote. <laughs> I want a doctor enough so bad I could chew through glass. Somebody else says, going to the store, I swear, Code Red Mountain Dew is stalking me. So we can tell what they're fasting from. And here's one that just was posted yesterday. I ate the neighbor's cat last night. <laughs> oh, I could go on and on, but uh, that's as far as we are. Now, I want to take this, and, and I, wanna, I just want to hit the high spots of the, of the first seven days here. Uh, the next copy of the screen, I believe, uh, talks about the, the, the first day. Uh, as, as we're getting started in this fast, it's very important that we tune in. We have to tune in. Now, those of you that are a little bit older than some of you, okay, the average church is about 68, 67, 68 years old. If you look at the American church, this church is not there. It's younger. And I, and I love that. I love that. But there's still enough of you uh, older folks that are my age and older that remember radio before there was FM, okay? I can remember listening to Ameri uh, Casey Kasem's America Top 40, okay? And I can remember listening to another radio station that was really strong on the weekends that came from somewhere up in Indiana. But I had to sit in my car, and I had to do this. Then it'd finally come in. And then you had to hold your mouth just right, and you couldn't pull out of where you were sitting. And I remember we had one radio station. The only way I think that you could pick it up is if you had your bumper against the transmitting tower. Okay? I mean, that's how weak it was. But how are you going to hear God? How are you going to see what He sees in you unless you are tuned in? So those of you that are here this morning that are struggling with your relationship with God, as I have said here so often, not just here, but in other places, I've sat here and said, you know, I don't have that joy in my salvation that I once had. I don't, he just doesn't, I mean, I read these words and yes, I believe them, but it's not doing anything to me. It's not doing anything for me. And as I said in the beginning that, you know, faith is not a feeling, but it sure does feel good when you feel it, does it not? But you find yourself not feeling it. You believe it and you trust in it. You know that God was from the beginning and he'll be here at our end and into our eternity. But you are not rejoicing in that. It's because we're not tuned in. So that was day one of what we were doing. One of the scripture that was uh, used for that is, is Isaiah 66, 2, it said, Had not my hand made all these things, and so they came into being, declares the Lord, these are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. When is the last time that we have trembled at his word? So I wanted, to, you know, I made, I made sure that as I started this, that I, I, I wanted to make sure that I was present I want it to be present and accounted for. 
So that's how I started. My prayer time was, Father, allow me to take anything and everything that separates you from me. I'm not talking about I have to go out and rob bank to be separated from God, or I have to be unfaithful to my wife to be uh, separated from God. I'm talking about just putting other things in place to where they stand in the gap between where I am supposed to be with God and myself. Second day was unwavering faith, unwavering in faith. And that is something that a lot of us struggle with. I mean, just admit it. You, some of you are sitting here this morning and you're wavering in your faith for whatever reason. It could be, as one person uh, mentioned on our Facebook post, that I've been praying for so many years for this to happen, for that to happen, and yet I don't see anything, that I still pray the words, but as I'm praying the words, I'm already accepting the fact there's a good likelihood that God's not going to answer that prayer. Is that the way we should be praying? Of course not. It is in God's sovereign will whether he answers whatever prayer it is that we're praying, and we must understand that our uh, focus in prayer is not to change God's mind. Do you know we're not going to do that? We're not going to change God's mind. God, I don't want you to do this anymore. Oh, okay. Now that since you prayed it, I'm not going to do it no more. No, it's not for us to change God's will. It's for God to condition us to his. Even in the model prayer that he taught the disciples, he said, thy will be done. Where? Here on earth, as in where? As in heaven. So as we pray, we may be wavering in faith simply because we're not hearing from God the way that our expectations are set up. So that was, uh, that was a good, a good second day. And one of the verses that uh, is assigned to our reading was Matthew 17, 20, he replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing, nothing will be impossible to you. Now, early in my Christian life, I saw that as God make me a millionaire. <laughs> you know, God give me a, you know, a, Ford F-150 truck that's red with big wheels and, you know, or God give me, you know, do this, do that. And we have to understand in our asking that we are faulty from the beginning in certain things that we ask for. Let's go to day three because we're running out of time and I got a few more days to go. And it talks about spiritual food. If you're fasting from food, it's said that between days three and four, are your toughest days. And then it gets easier. But I tell you, that third day, that fourth day is very difficult. But anything that you fast from, if it is something that's been in your life, you know is the distraction that's separating you from God, you know that about the third, fourth day, man, you really want it. I just got to get on Facebook for just a minute. I just got to see what's going on. You know, I got to see if, you know, my kids have posted any new pictures. I've got, you know, I got to do this. Or if you're fasting from, from news or, or you're, you're fasting from nicotine or you're fasting from caffeine, you know, you can ask my wife. I come home every day from work and, and I'm, I'm fasting. One of the things I'm fasting from is, is uh, the first week. Uh, I've got a partial food fast going on. I get up of the morning. I have oatmeal. I drink water for lunch and swell up for dinner. Okay, that's uh, that's what I'm doing. Uh, but no, not really. I am I'm having a light breakfast uh, this week. It'll be liquid uh, lunch. Uh, it's liquid throughout the day, and then I come home. And as I pull in my driveway, if I'm going up West G Street, I can smell what she has on the stove. And it wouldn't matter if she got in the closet and got out my oldest pair of boots and put it on the stove in a pot of water. It would be good to eat. Besides, I'm the one that made that comment about eating my neighbor's cat. <laughs> I was talking with Roger. And, and, you know, things that, you know, I had no taste for before, you know, just, but see, and it's overwhelming sometimes. You think, okay, I got, you know, 
just just one Reese cup. <laughs> you know, that's all I need. Just one bag of Cheetos or, you know, whatever. You know, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. Well, that's not what it has to do with. But we talk about, we talk about spiritual food, or do we? <laughs> what was happening during the time that uh, I'm looking for food, you know, for that sustenance, I'm driven to the Word of God. And that's, that's what I have been doing. So uh, let's go on to this next day, cultivating spiritual hunger. And I, I need to help you understand maybe as I was needing assistance in understanding what this even meant cultivating spiritual hunger, making myself hungry, making myself thirsty regarding the things of God. It is very important. One of the things that they ask here says, are you disconnected from the things that nourish your body and soul? My answer was a resounding yes. I mean, you know as well as I do, especially in December as we see the new year coming and all these resolutions are made and 98% of them aren't kept. We say, you know, I got a little more around here than I had this time last year. I need to get rid of that. I need to push back away from the table. I need to stop eating when I'm full. I need to leave that candy away. I need to put the soft drinks away, blah, blah, blah. But yet we don't do it. Why? Because we don't desire it enough. That's part of cultivating spiritual hunger. You have trouble with nicotine? Let me tell you the best time to quit. When you've got a respiratory, you know, a cold or something like that, and your head's full of everything that needs to be, you know, blown out, and you're thinking, I couldn't stand the thought of smoking a cigarette right now. That's the perf That's cultivating this hunger to quit. In my particular situation, whenever it talks about cultivating spiritual hunger, uh, this one verse, uh, Matthew chapter 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves now. Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt and where thieves don't break in and steal for where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. So if you remove that which you're already receiving to nourish your body, if it's the social media, if it's, if it's food, if it's whatever it is, it's the distraction that's in your life, you remove that, that will help cultivate the spiritual hunger that you need in your system. Uh, day five, fasting with prayer removes unbelief. And this is sort of akin uh, to what I said about day three, about, you know, the unbelief. Uh, it, it's, it's tough at times. Uh, this, is, this is a verse that I absolutely positively love that helps me personally on a consistent basis, as long as I've been a believer. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 5 says, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war the way that the world does. Okay? You cut me, you cut the guy next to me, we're both going to bleed, but he may or she may respond to things differently than I do because their perspective is this is the only thing they've got. Whereas I realize I exist for another world. I was talking with uh, Sheila this morning about my desire to say what's on my mind about this COVID stuff. I know what I'd like to say. I don't know what I'd like to do. But you know what? I don't have the liberty to do that as a man of God because I am thinking about a person's eternal soul and what lays beyond the grave. And I'm not going to muddy up the opportunity for my influence to be effective in that person. Although I know what I want to say and what I want to do. So many times in my life, I've had people come up to me. Well, you'll never have to wonder what I'm thinking. I'll just tell you. I'm thinking, you do know that's not a good trait. <laughs> you know, but you know, a person feels that it is. And, and, let me finish reading this verse. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient in Christ. Had that conversation with my son this morning. Look at a few of those words there. Strongholds. What are the strongholds that are in your life today? You know what they are. You know exactly what they are. I know what they are in my life. I know what I struggle with more than I do others. I can tell you things that don't bother me that bother the other person. Not a problem for me to worry about this, that, or the other. But let me tell you what, whenever it comes to my strongholds, they're bad. I'm afraid to say them out loud. I don't even want to write them down on a piece of paper and look at them. It's hard to pray to God about them and say them out loud in my head. They're my strongholds. They're what separates me from Him. The arguments that go on in my mind about, you know, is God this and is God that? And, you know, what about the, you know, this culture war that we're fighting here and this this stand that we're taking over there? Uh, that's arguments and lastly, pretensions. Um, one's claims to something, you know, their knowledge of God and understanding that it's absolute truth. Oh, for the sake of time, let me go on to this uh, next to the last one. Reliance on God. Some of us, some of us struggle with that. Our pastor struggles with that. Now, I'm not saying any secrets. What I'm telling you is that he has said it from here on several occasions is that he's a doer. He gets he gets worth assigned to him by himself when he is doing, when he's making a difference. And, and I hate to say it, but the vintage guy bred that into him because I'm that way. Just a month ago, sharing with my wife, Angie, I Angie, I'm as miserable as I've ever been. I'm so unhappy. And there was reasons behind that, but it was because I was not producing. I was not being productive. I was not what I thought making a difference. I was not relying on God. Because you know, the only person that changed that equation was who? It was me. Because I lack that reliance in God. Let me give you this verse here. Hebrews 10, verse 16. This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them in their minds. We know what is right. We trust that God is going to take us to heaven. When our eyes close in death, they're going to open in heaven. That's our understanding of what scripture has to say. That's something that he's taken care of. We trust him with that. You know why? Because we have no choice. But on the day-to-day -day things, it's very difficult at times to be reliant on God whenever we're a producer, when we're a doer. So there's places in your life likely that, that you struggle. And I'm going to close with this last day. Well, let me tell you one thing about this reliance on God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, go back to that day six because I thought I think about this one quite a lot. I used to have, well, my first my first car was a 73 Chevelle Malibu. Not the prettiest car Chevrolet ever put out, but it was mine. And uh, I had it all hopped up in the back, and I had the mag wheels on it and everything, and the M50s on the back, you know. I mean, I was the stuff. Had the cherry bomb muffler, you know, riding down a road. You know, I was looking straight down. I had F-Series tires on my front, M's on the back. So, I mean, that doesn't mean anything to anybody in here, but maybe two of you. But, you know, here I am, you know, going down the road. And I, I don't even know where I'm going with this now. Okay, I remember now. Okay, uh, it didn't have power steering. Now, the reason why it didn't have power steering is because... Uh, the uh, steering box was, was messed. It was supposed to. Now, a lot of you all don't know what it's like not to have power steering. Power steering, you just put your finger in there and you can turn your wheel anywhere you want it to go. You have manual steering and it's, you know, just to pull in your driveway, isn't it? 
Let me tell you something. That's the way a lot of you all are leading, leading your Christian life, as if it totally depends on you. You look at an excavator out there digging. Now, you throw me down in that hole and give me a shovel, and you tell me to move that ton and a half rock, I'm not going to make much headway with it. But you take that excavator, and you put that bucket down there, and it just flip, flips it right out of the hole. How does it do that? The power of hydraulics. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is the hydraulics in a Christian's life. And you need to employ it more. And you do that and you succeed in your reliance on God. And the last one, the last one, which is today, that is fervent prayer. Guys, we need to update our prayer. Those of you that the, the worship band can go ahead and come back up here. Because uh, I'm going to end in a, in a time of prayer uh, you know what fervency means? I can remember as a young Christian hearing things like, oh, I prayed all night. And I'm thinking there's no way a man can pray all night. Well, I learned through certain circumstances in my life, you can pray all night. And you can call out to God in ways that, uh, I mean, are just downright scary if anybody else heard you. The fervency of our prayer time. Uh, I, you hear a lot of people pray. I mean, we even pray at work, and, and it's sort of, okay, Lord, uh, I'm thankful for this, and, you know, and, and I want you to remember so-and-so, and I want such and such. Guys, have you ever seen people cry out to God? You ever really seen people cry out to God? Have you ever seen? Let me let me take you back to a time. Uh, Angie and I are watching a show right now called Darkest Hour. I think it's what it's called, and it's on the life of Winston Churchill. He is a character. He is a real character. But whenever they approached him about becoming prime minister, they were already in the throes of the beginning of World War II. And it wasn't going to be long before Germany actually took over the British Isles. I mean, they had already pretty much accepted that was going to be the case, the person who was prime minister before, those of you that know anything about history. So they approach uh, Winston Churchill. and He sits down with the, some of his other parliamentarians, and he's talking about, well, we're going to win this thing. We're going to win this thing. And they're, they're talking to him, and, and, <laughs> and he, they're saying, Winston, get a hold of yourself. We need to be writing up articles of surrender. We don't need to be talking about winning a war. We don't have stuff to win a war with. And in a short time, he changed their thought process. Hey, this thing is winnable. But they put actions to it. And Winston Churchill was invited back to, uh, uh, as alumni, as a, dig, a distinguished alumni, back to speak at one of the schools that he attended younger in life. And those of you that know a little bit of history are aware, and I'm not going to quote the speech for you because I don't know it word for word, but one of the phrases that he spoke in that speech to the students at, I think it was Harlow School, was never, 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 never give up. Let me tell you, we don't face those odds the same way that Winston Churchill and the people of Britain and the people in all of Eastern Europe were facing. They were facing a whole different situation there with Adolf Hitler. But let me tell you something, guys. We've lost our nation we have lost our nation, okay? I'm not just being a Debbie Downer, but we do not possess our nation. Our nation is not a godly nation. Nowhere close. And there's no one in government that is our Savior. No one. And I'm not talking a political party. I'm just telling you, it was never government's job to be our Savior. <laughs> Our churches are dying by the handfuls. We'll lose over 70,000 churches this year. When the average was about 8,500 to 9,000. 
up until the pandemic started. And what the pandemic has done, it has now just delivered the death knoll to those churches. We are a nation. We are a people. We are a corporate body of believers that need to come back to God. And how are we going to do that? Falling on our face and being fervent in our prayers, taking our hands off of our lives and saying, Father, you can have control of me. It starts with me. It's not just praying for this sick person over here. It's not just thanking God for what he did for you last Tuesday whenever you were taking that test or, or whatever it happened to be or got that promotion. It's falling on your face before God and saying, please, Father, take all of me. Let me see what it is that you need me to see. Let me be the instrument for your glory. Let me be a clean vessel that can be used for your honor and glory. I don't want to be a, a spectator any longer. I want to be a, a participant in what you're doing. I don't want to leave it up to my pastor. I want to be an integral part of making a difference for lives in eternity. I want that to be the burden of your heart. If you're struggling going into this fast, you need to talk with someone. Feel free to give me a buzz. Be glad to talk to you. Uh, you want to talk later this week? That's perfectly fine as well. I just want to encourage you as we go into the second week, stick to it. Whatever it is that you're abstaining from, continue to abstain from it. If you find something else that's being a distraction that you need to abstain from, start abstaining from that as well. And as I said, if you struggle, reach out to those that are participating in it and let us pray along with you. But here's what I see. Matthew was supposed to speak about vision today. He started his vision series today and because of the circumstances, wasn't able to. But maybe it was intended to be this way. He was going to talk about the mission, the vision, and the core values of what Believer stands for. And what I spoke on today hits two of those, of two of the four values. And we want this year to be a year like Believer's Church has never experienced before. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Let the worship band take it from here. If you want to come up and pray this morning, if you want to come up and you want to accept Christ this morning, there would, today would be a great day for that to occur. You want to rededicate your life into this new year? Feel free to come up here and pray. Uh, if you just want to uh, just spend some time up here or where you're standing, that's perfectly fine. Just know that we love you and we're here for you. We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.